Are you feeling lucky this St. Patrick's Day? Easy Living Furniture has a pot of gold waiting for you with absolutely everything reduced across sofa, dining, bedroom, mattress and accessories. Get the three-seater dark grey Harper sofa for only 459 Donut 240cm dining table for only 289 and much more. Don't miss out on these lucky savings at Easy Living Furniture. Find your local store online at easylivingfurniture.ie if you or a loved one gets hurt, you'll want a faster road to recovery. At Leia Healthcare's Urgent Care Clinics, you'll be seen by a consultant-led team in 60 minutes or less for injuries including breaks, burns and bumps. Switch now at leiahealthcare.ie. Always a beat ahead for you and your family with urgent care in 60 minutes or less. Insurance provided by Ellipse Insurance Limited, trading as Leia Healthcare. Leia Healthcare Limited, trading as Leia Healthcare and Leia Life, is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Urgent care clinics available to all aged 12 months and over. Wellbeing benefits available to Leia Healthcare members. Today on the Indo Daily, Pat's chat is Patrick Keelty the Late Late Show solution. It's been two months since Ryan Tuberty announced he was leaving The Late Late Show behind after 14 years. Uh, you might have heard I will be leaving The Late Late Show. Yeah, I just wanted to say a few brief words on it because uh, people were saying, so why? And the truth of it is that um, in life, sometimes you make a decision on the basis of your gut. But now with the so-called shoe-ins dropping out of the race, one name has been suggested to be a done deal. I've only really a couple of things to say and I think that... The Late Late Show is one of the greatest TV shows on the planet and whoever gets it's going to be really lucky. But whoever gets that gig, they're going to have huge shoes to fill. Patrick Guilty is well used to doing live TV. He did a show with the BBC and the audience across the water is like, you know, ten times that that we have in Ireland. He's also well able to do the light with the shade. But how much do we know about the Down Native and how important is it to RTE that they get this right? The media buyers, they don't particularly mind if it's Claire Byrne or if it's Patrick Keelty. They just want the numbers to be really strong. And that's what RT has to bet, that they can get those figures for the advertisers. I'm Fiona Sheen, and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by entertainment correspondent for the Irish Independent, Melanie Finn, and business editor of the Sunday Independent, Samantha McCochran. Melanie, tell me a bit about Patrick Keelty and his background. He's a really interesting background. He was born in Dundrum in County Down and he was kind of an early starter. He went to Queen's University, but he was kind of playing pranks and entertaining people long before that. When he was in the secondary school, actually, they used to do an annual school play and he made him a name for himself doing impersonations of local politicians and teachers and media figures. So he was someone who was kind of a natural um, born entertaining, someone who was attracted to the limelight and really relished in that role from an early age. Now, he grew up during the Troubles. However, he was severely and massively impacted by the Troubles too. He has a huge backstory. His father, Jack, was gunned down by UFF paramilitaries when he was 44 years old. He was a father of three and he was a well-known building contractor. He was head of Down GAA Club. He was a well-known, prominent Catholic businessman. And it was discovered after his death, which happened when Patrick was just 16 and his brother, it was his 18th birthday. So it turned out subsequently that 
he refused to pay the local paramilitary's protection money and he had planned to give evidence against some of the local paramilitaries in a trial which subsequently collapsed. So Patrick Hilty said once that happened his, his father was essentially a dead man walking. And he told Tommy Tiernan in this amazing interview how he just buried the trauma because it was so normal. Whenever he was killed, it wasn't normal. I know that now. But up there at that time, it wasn't special, Tommy. You know? And so the one thing that I didn't want to do was I... I didn't want to make a big deal of that. If you're standing on a stage in front of people who potentially have been through a hell of a lot worse than you've been through. Everyone knew someone who had been shot or killed or deeply, deeply wounded by the troubles. And as a man, as a 16-year-old teenager, you just had to get on with things, you know, to be a man up. There's a very poignant photograph of him carrying his father's coffin at the funeral. I mean, for a 16-year-old boy, it must have been hugely traumatising. Yeah, and he's spoken about this. He presented an award-winning documentary as well about centering on his experience, but also the experience of others during that period, the release of the killers Mm. under under the Good Friday Agreement and how it all impacted Mm. upon him and how he dealt with it. It was very claimed. It was 2018. It was called My Dad, um, The Peace Deal on Me, and it was to, to coincide with the anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement. Hundreds of paramilitary prisoners were released including my father's killers. In return, we were promised a new society where the two sides could come together. Now I've come home to find out how far down that road we've travelled. And he basically delved into how the troubles had affected him and those around him and the echoes that had left for generations. Still well known as a stand-up comic, but that's not really a fair characterization of him now. He, he's gone on to be a presenter and broadcaster across the board, really, hasn't he? Yes. Yeah, so we started off in this kind of pre-ceasefire comedy club in Belfast. It was the, the first comedy club that was set up, but it was called um, The Empire Laughs Back. And he was a presenter and a stand-up comic. So that's really how he kind of learned his craft. He honed his comedy skills, so to speak. And from that, he got a TV gig called PK Tonight. And at one point that had a 60% share on BBC Northern Ireland. So it was hugely popular. Um, and it also won him a Best Presenter Award. So this was very early on in his career. His kind of talent, you know, was evident. And then he went on to do After the Break with BBC and another Channel 4 show. I don't know if you remember, you're probably too young. Um, Last Chance Lottery back in 1997. And this kind of became one of those weird cult shows that only ran for like one or two seasons and everyone loved. And since then, continued to be a presenter. He currently has a a Saturday morning BBC Radio 5 Mm. show, a lot of energy in that. Mm. What about how exactly he has come into the frame to be the next presenter? When Ryan Tuberty announced that he was retiring because he's too young to retire, but he was stepping back from from the show, the focus was all on on female RT presenters and one by one, they effectively dropped out. So we had bookmakers issuing daily odds, you know, and everyone from, you know, Sarah McInerney to Claire Byrne, very likely contenders, and then complete 
long long shots. You know, I'm surprised you weren't among them. But and was Keely even on the list at that point? He was, but he was like around a 16 to 1, 20 to 1, like long yeah. shot. He wasn't in the front runners by any means at all. But with the three main women who seemed very likely for the gig with them withdrawing from it it kind of left RTE free then to pick a male presenter because there was a huge pressure on them you know address the balance you know we need diversity it's been a man since you know the 1960s let's have a woman in there but with no main woman really wanting the gig it left them free to look outside this tiny tiny pool that we have in Ireland you know there's only about 10 celebrities in Ireland and in terms of people who could do the gig there's about three and those three didn't want it so who's left you know do the maths you have to look outside Um, so his name come up and he was at the IFTAs on last Sunday with his beautiful wife Kat Digley and he was very coy about whether or not he would want the gig I only really a couple of things to say and I think that The Late Late Show is one of the greatest TV shows on the planet and whoever gets it's going to be really lucky and I've been a guest on The Late Late Show and I've sat alongside Ryan doing his stuff and whoever gets that gig they're going to have huge shoes to fill. All he would say is that he thinks Ryan's a brilliant presenter and it's one of the hardest gigs on earth but he said you know I've done a lot of TV it is very hard and then Kat Dealey was kind of she gave away a bit more. She was like, well, let's see if he gets it first, which I thought was really interesting. So that then sparked a flurry again, you know, breathless odds issued by the bookmakers. And then he was the front runner then the day after. So a few calls into RTE subsequent to this found that he was really the main name being mooted. Um, and his, you know, people, I suppose you could say, were, were in there a few weeks ago just to discuss possible opportunities with regards to Late Late Show. How, would, how it might all, all work. So why is Patrick Keelty regarded as, as the best presenter? What, what, what does he bring that others don't? experience essentially um, he's well used to doing live TV uh, ladies and gentlemen please welcome the king of the road Mr Jeremy Clarkson I have to thank you before we go any further on behalf of every bloke in the country thanks for coming back and doing Top Gear oh it's fun it was no, rubbish without you oh you are sweet no he did a show with the BBC and the audience across the water is like you know ten times that that we have in Ireland He's also well able to do the light with the shade. We know his traumatic background that he's had personal experience of. So he's not afraid to go there with the tougher issues. But also a comedian is the perfect person to present a late night chat show like this. Look across the water again at someone like Graham Norton. Like he's so entertaining. He has, I mean, arguably the best chat show in the world at the moment. So you need someone who can do two hours of live TV late on a Friday night, do it for possibly 10 years, five years minimum to really get the, the good contract and to be able to interview a wide gamut of guests about a huge range of topics. So Amanda, what does it say about RTE that they have to go outside their own stable to bring in a presenter of their flagship show? Well, it has been a question that's arisen from time to time is, is RTE capable of developing talent and bringing along its own people. So there was an assumption when the Ryan Tuberty news broke, certainly among the ad agencies, was this was something that RT would have well anticipated. They've had it in hand, they would be the talent, would be nearly waiting in the wings to take the hot seat on the Late Late Show. But 
clearly that hasn't happened. And maybe it's for personal reasons. One of the big issues that's emerged is the level of attention that people get who present the late late. Some of a very unwelcome. So maybe for personal reasons, people didn't want it. The women particularly didn't want it. But it is interesting that we didn't have that person in place ready to step in, an RT person ready to take the hot seat. And perhaps, again, it is that issue of whether or not, you know, the talent is, is brought along for those type of very, very high profile roles. What about this becoming possibly a, a double header, two presenters, the Pat and Cat show? There is some so speculation I will, about yeah. that. So I'll give you an exclusive here. The big scoop is that I heard Cat Dealey's name is also in the mix, but for a separate TV gig with RTE. Uh, not with him. I can't really see a double header working. I think it's kind of doing them both a disservice. They can both anchor a show in their own right. They both have enough star power to do that. One thing that Patrick Hildy will be used to is the the spotlight. And and actually, you can argue he's actually lived in his wife's shadow uh, for for a number of years, and she became a, a bigger international star. Tell us about Cat Dealey. Uh, originally. From Birmingham, a model, then a presenter on MTV and and Saturday morning TV with Anton Deck back in the days. Hello there and welcome back to SMTV Live now here in the studio. We're all very excited, aren't we? We've got a brand new series for you now. The Americans have got the sitcom Friends. Here at SMTV, we've got our very own sitcom. It's even better. It's called Chums. Where did yeah. she go from there? Katili's a huge star, arguably way bigger than Patrick Hilty. You know, her star has eclipsed his, you know, tenfold. And they first met in 2002 on a show called Fame Academy, which was huge. And there were presenters on it. And he said there was a wee spark there at the time. I can't do his accent. Sorry. Sorry, Patrick. Um, and uh, nothing happened because they were both with other people. But they always kept that little contact going, a little bit of back burner stuff in that they were friends. But nothing happened romantically. So fast forward a few years. It was her birthday. He texted her, you know, happy birthday. How you doing? Just sounding it out. And on impulse, he said he had a few drinks. He was sitting in a car park in a pub and down and she, he rang her just to have a chat oh what are you doing for your birthday and she goes oh I'm going for lunch in the Beverly Hills Hotel in LA obviously where she was based for 10 years so I got up at 5 jumped on a 6 o'clock flight from Ireland got into Heathrow at 7 jumped on a 20 to 10 flight got into quarter past 1 uh, walked into the Beverly Hills Hotel I said hi she fell off the chair we've been together ever since <laughs> she, he said she wa- he walked in stunned her and that was it the rest as they say is history I just think that's the most romantic story I've ever heard and her star was really big in the States as well I mean Still she is, was yeah. presenter of So You Think You Can Dance a yeah. number of other shows across the board there that's right yeah yeah she's she's had a huge career you know she's had a load of shows um, and then in 2020 I think just after lockdown she decided she'd had enough herself and her two young sons Milo and James were they narrowly missed getting caught up in a shooting incident in a mall near their home and she just thought oh I saw this like I've had enough um, like a lot of people actually they don't like the lockdown culture and it only hits, hits home once they start having children so they came home to London. How important Samantha is it that Artie get this right in terms of who the presenter is and that balance of the show? Well look their advertisers are going to be key to all this because at the end of the day it's their flagship Irish you know talk show the numbers for the Late Late Toy Show are phenomenal. Last year 
it was one and a half million viewers, an audience of one and a half million, by far and away the top most viewed show in, in Ireland in one year. And actually, it's become more important shows like that in such a fragmented market. So you have a whole generation now that just watches Netflix, YouTube, TikTok, to get people to watch one programme once a week and certainly once a year for the Late Late Toy Show is a huge achievement. So it's a very valuable property. So Orchie's figures are actually quite difficult to break down because they're done, you know, in big lumps that we can see. But the advertisers looking at it very conservatively would say three and a half, four million, potentially a good bit more than that, that it's worth just that one show alone. And that's in the context of... They, they make 140, you know, they, they get commercial revenue of 148 million euro a year, a couple of million surface. So a show that brings in a few million is a really important show, getting it right. And as Melanie's saying, a 200, do they want to go down that route? They want to try and make sure they preserve that. If they can grow it, great. But if they can preserve that value, that's absolutely essential for GE. Yeah, one of the industry people who you spoke to said the, the next presenter formula is very simple. It's who brings in the audience. Absolutely. It's eyeballs they want. And they literally measure it like eyes on the screen. The, the packages that they get for the Late Late Toy Show in particular are very, very rich. <laughs> you know, you're talking for the top package called the Platinum Package, sort of 86,000 euros. And that's just for one slot, a linking with radio, a little bit of digital as well thrown in there. So yeah, the, the, the advertisers, the, the ones I spoke to anyway, the media buyers, they don't particularly mind if it's Claire Byrne or if it's Patrick Keelty. They just want the numbers to be really strong. And that's what RT has to bet, that they can get those figures for the advertisers. So as far as the industry is concerned, and indeed RT management is concerned, speculation about, oh, drop the Late Late Show, you know, it, it's come to the end of the line and so on. That's not really a runner. Well, it's great chat for everybody to complain about the Late Late Toy Show. We all love doing that. But, I mean, to actually create a show that would get... I think the numbers have fallen. There's no doubt about that. I mean, look, as I said, we all have so many alternatives on a Friday night, but it still gets hundreds of thousands of viewers every week. So to actually recreate something like that, probably for the cost space, you know, the Late Late wouldn't be the most expensive show to make versus like drama or something like that, which would be incredibly expensive in comparison. But to to actually get rid of it, it just would be, be nonsensical at this stage. I think probably the reason... Patrick Keelty may be in the mix to give it a new injection of life and that's what they'll be hoping he can do but particularly with the Late Late Toy Show being just absolutely massive it's a phenomenon in Irish television and, and Irish media there's no way they're going to do away with that I mean look if the figures fell continually for the next two or three to five years they'd have to rethink it obviously but at the moment I can't see why they would actually walk away for something like that Yeah so you reckon from an industry perspective Keelty fits that bill of being but presenter and ambassador of a, a flagship show on the national broadcaster He has the potential for sure I mean an interesting thing that the advertisers said to me was that they'd like them to have a radio show as well so what you would have at Ryan Tuberty is as a competition he gives it a few plugs on the radio show crosses over into the TV and the advertisers love that On his Saturday morning radio show on, on BBC Radio 5 who was introduced a couple of days ago as Mr. Saturday Morning and, he, and he is, his comment back was Mr. Saturday Morning I'll tell you Mr. Friday Night's the problem folks so I mean that's a suggestion that, that you know you can't go out on a Friday night can he logistically continue to present a Saturday Morning BBC show which is live as well as a Friday night two-hour-long show in Dublin? I mean, sure, you can do it. You could get, like, the red eye and Friday night hop on the plane and then probably get into the BBC for probably 7 a.m. But the show is called BBC Five Live. Mm. So any options of a pre-record are just instantly 
gone. I mean, at the moment, the RTE morning schedule on Radio 1, that's packed, that's locked down. All those shows are performing, as we saw in the recent JNLRs. They're all well over 300,000. So there's no option to do that. But I think that's going to be a bit of a stumbling block if there is one there. I think that's it. Patrick Keelty and Kat Daly, they're currently living in, in North London with their two kids. Will they logistically have to move to Dublin in terms of having your, your finger on the pulse of the nation, what, what people are, are talking and thinking about? Would it be necessary for a presenter of that show to live To live here? here? No. I mean, Louis Walsh presented The X Factor uh, or sorry, was a judge on The X Factor for over 10 years. He lived in Dublin and what he'd do was like fly over to London on a Saturday morning, sometimes a Friday night, you know, and then they'll have rehearsals and everything else, you know, and that was one of the biggest live TV shows, you know, at a audience of like 10 million. But he had it down pat. So there's no reason why Patrick Hilty would not be able to do that as well. And he still has huge links with Ireland. He still has loads of family and down. And he is over here a good deal. And maybe his the very fact that he's not based here would add to his cachet because he's coming at it from an outsider kind of view. It's like a more international appeal and it brings a kind of an all-island feel to the programme, which is something that we also need. And to touch on something Samantha said, I heard one of the main things in his favour in RTE was the fact that he has two young kids. So he's Milo, who's seven, he's James, who's five, and he'd, well, he'd be well able to do the toy show. That has to be something that's a factor in picking the eventual presenter. And there was a lot of presenters on that list that I personally could not imagine being able to corral a group of kids high on jellies for two hours on the biggest TV live event of the year. Whereas Patrick Keelty, I think, would be great you can see at him. it. You, you can, can definitely see him, him doing it. Switching over yes, and also um, whoever will, whoever is eventually confirmed for this will have to be approved by Kevin Backhurst. I imagine he knows Patrick Hilty years. They, there would have been crossover there when he during his time at the BBC. And so that's another thing in his favour. So there's a lot of pros there, but like the main con, as you said, is the fact that he already does a show at BBC. I mean, there's a lot riding on it. You've a new Director General, Kevin Backhurst. You've a new Chairperson, mm. uh, Shuni Rahali. You've got a new presenter of their flagship show, a new Commercial Director yeah. as well coming in. So Orti has a lot at stake here. You know, it's been arguing for a long time about how it needs more money who wants to get a lot of things right and whoever gets this show will be a key part of that whole jigsaw to make sure that they're uh, getting the next step of business right in order You reckon so Keelty into Late Late Show 95% certain? I think for me personally I think it'd be a great Ticks a lot of boxes I think for what Orti are looking for now he ticks a lot of the boxes and to be honest I can't see anyone else ticking as many boxes as he does. Apparently there's a, a story in the rounds that Patrick Healy was linked with this job back in 1999 when Gabo was, Gabo, was standing yeah, down. Yeah, Gabo said he was his absolute preferred candidate like back then. Um, I think he was doing a live chat show on the BBC at the time and he said he'd be the perfect choice. So wouldn't that be a nice a, a nice full circle moment? So it only took them what, like 23 years <laughs> to get there, you know, and eventually they got to Kilty. So, um, and I think it's a very significant move. I would like, you know, to see more diversity in RTE I would like them to think outside the box with this and I would like to see someone with the North we need more accents we need more representation on our national broadcaster you know it needs needs something like and I think he's a great choice and my thanks to Melanie Finn and Samantha McCochran I'm Fiannan Sheen and today's episode was produced by Tabitha Monaghan researched by Saoirse Mulgrew with sound by Niall McMonigal 
Archive clips from RTE, The 42, BBC, ITV, Dave Channel and UK TV. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. 